Good morning. We'd like to welcome you all to Roberts Grove Original Free Will Baptist Church and to our morning worship service for June the 7th, 2020. If you are joining us online, you can watch this live or you may be watching it at another time, but we extend a special welcome to you as well. Um, let's begin with a word of prayer. Father God in heaven, we thank you for drawing us into your presence now, and we pray that your abiding presence would be evident to us, that we would sense and know that you are here, and that we would rejoice in the company of your presence, and that you would be well pleased to be present with us. And we ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and soon coming King. Amen. Again, welcome to all of you. It's good to have you at Roberts Grove today. Uh, for the very first time at a worship service, we do have an FM radio station that you could tune to. Uh, 87.7, I believe, is the frequency that we're going to try. That's an FM frequency, 87.7. You can try that on your car radio. Uh, if it is helpful to you to use your air conditioning uh, with the use of that radio station, that might work for you. And so we, uh, we want you to be as comfortable as we can make you. And so that is an option. If you need to use your, your air conditioning, feel free to do so. We also have the option of uh, gathering on the lawn in groups that are separated appropriately, of course. And there is the option of being at home watching this uh, on the internet or listening to a podcast. And there is even the option of some gathering in the fellowship hall. As we uh, make our announcements today, I do want you to know that we're going to be offering communion at the end of the service today. And as you arrived, you should have received one of these prepackaged and pre-sealed communion packets. And if you don't have that, then just kind of wave to one of our ushers or deacons and they will get that to you. Now, this is a new thing for us. And because of that, uh, I want you to um, to, to take just a moment uh, of time and familiarize yourself with it so that you don't, um, you don't have a, a, an accident at the end of the service with, with this today. Uh, this comes off in two pieces. The, if, you pull, if you pull the tab and you pull the purple off, you're going to open the juice. Don't do that. On top of the purple tab, you may have to work with it, You've got from now until the end of the service to figure it out. On top of the purple tab, there is a clear cellophane seal uh, piece of film. That is the first piece you pull off, and that will bring out the unleavened wafer. Okay. So if you want to uh, go ahead and work at that and get that first seal open and get that piece of clear cellophane off without pulling the purple tab, uh, then you'll be able to open your wafer, your unleavened bread wafer to get that out and just hold that and then during the communion service so that you won't spill it during the service um, beforehand, then you can pull off the purple tab and that will expose the, the, uh, the juice on the inside. So we'll be doing that as part of our communion service later today and that will keep everyone hopefully uh, as safe as possible but still allow us to share in the Lord's Supper. A few things in way of announcements today. Um, the announcements are uh, pretty much the same as they have been, and they're in the bulletin that's available to you online, uh, or there are some printed uh, copies available as well. Do remember that um, 
We are going to have Graduate Sunday next Sunday here at Roberts Grove. The graduates will process and they will uh, be here to, to do that, Lord willing. And uh, we have one high school graduate, Brandy Rodriguez, and we have three college graduates, Jacob and Eileen Morellis and Clay Honeycutt. And realize that uh, there will be some form of graduation for high school graduates, but there has not been any public exercises for the college graduates, so this will be it for them. So let's make it a, a special day for our graduates, all of our graduates, next Sunday. Our scriptural call to worship this morning is from Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. At this time, we'll enter into a time of communion with God in prayer, beginning with silent prayers. Then I will lead uh, in a corporate time of prayer together. And then we will conclude, as we normally do, with um, reciting in, in unison the Lord's model prayer. Would you begin with me as we pray silently together? Let's pray. Almighty and ever-present and eternal God, we thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you for drawing us into that presence and for this congregation of believers who have gathered together. Father, many of us are, are here and worshiping in person. Others are worshiping um, at, a, at a distance, remotely, and others will be joining us at other times. But we are grateful for the gathering. We are grateful for your spirit that causes us to respond to you. And we are grateful for the unity of the spirit that there is among us. Certainly in our world today, Father, we need more unity. We need more spirit. We need more examples of gathering in peace. And we pray that we would not only be an example for the world to follow as we follow you as our example, but that we would also learn from these times ourselves so that we might be better prepared to live in this world regardless of the circumstances in which it finds itself. Father, as we gather today, we realize that there are uh, many among us who are sick, uh, many are uh, experiencing difficulties. Uh, this pandemic has caused uh, a lot of, uh, of stress in the lives of many people. And we just pray that you would, by your spirit, minister to them and to all of us, that we would be able to draw closer to you, that we would be able to receive uh, a, a, a good spirit from you and know how to respond in the most appropriate way and to come through this time, Father, uh, stronger and more resilient for you. Father, for those who um, are not able to be with us in any form or way, or way uh, maybe uh, out of uh, sickness or maybe out of negligence, regardless, Father, they need our prayers and our spirit uh, to be with them as yours already is. May they sense and know it and be strengthened and drawn into your presence by that spirit. 
And now, Father, we realize that we are not alone in our, in our plight. You are with us, yes. But we, Father, are just a one church in one community in this world of faith. And, Father, we wish our numbers were increasing, and in many places they are. You are still at work. But we join in with all of those who are of like mind and following after Christ, and we pray as he taught us all, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our offertory sentence this morning is from Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 26 through 28. Our offering today will be received um, in receptacles as you exit. Um, if you are not prepared to do, to, uh, to do your offering in that way, then we do have a P.O. box, P.O. box 1173 done. We invite you to send checks to that P.O. box. And there is, online, uh, there is an online giving option. Just visit our website, robertsgrovechurch.com, and click on Give. For our offertory sentence this morning, Hear these words from Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 26 through 28. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today, and if you do not obey the commandments, and if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord God, turn away uh, that I am commanding you today to follow other gods that you have not known. So we have a blessing and a curse before us today, and the simple formula is that we follow the commands of God and do not worship other gods that we may not have known. Our scripture and proclamation today will be based on Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, and then uh, down into the third chapter of Romans, verses 22 through 31. I invite you to turn there in your scriptures today and read with me in just a moment. Romans 1, 16 through 17, Romans, and also Romans 3, 22 through 31. We've just finished a worship series entitled Revive Us Again, and it was based on the first letter of Peter in that series we learned that in the midst of difficult circumstances and even suffering, God desires to do a good work. He desires to revive us with indescribable and glorious joy bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And as we follow in his footsteps, we let ourselves be built therefore into a spiritual house, fearing not what others fear but rejoicing to share in Christ's sufferings. For we know that when we share in Christ's sufferings, we also share in his glory. And today, we will begin a new series entitled, The Way Home. 
and it is based on the letter of Paul to the Romans. I have chosen this topic because whether it seems like it or not, we are all on a journey, and we are all trying to head to a good place. Because of this common destination that we all have in mind, we tend to give in to our competitive natures along the way with our fellow travelers. We tend to make comparisons of our progress with the progress of others. When we are at our worst, we draw distinctions that make us feel better about ourselves by making us feel worse about others. Now, my primary concern in all of this is over the comparisons we make with others in our spiritual lives. But there are other aspects of life's comparisons that do apply. Unfortunately, we are in times of rapid change and uncertainty. And as we are, and these times that we are in now, uh, we see that there is a failing of this misguided system of comparison. We can't compare ourselves to others because we are all in unknown territory. We can't follow others or we can't be assured of even doing what others are not doing because no one really knows. No one knows what to do next because we have never been here before. We need, therefore, a reliable standard, a philosophy of right comparison so that we can know if we truly are on the right path that leads us home. So, are you wondering what is next in this crazy, mixed-up world? Are you wondering what to do, where to turn, how to feel, how to respond? Are you wondering what to keep in your life and what to cast off? in this time of uncertainty and change? Well, I have good news for you today. God already has the answers for you. And I hope you will join us throughout this summer worship series, The Way Home. We begin today in that series with our first sermon, Righteousness Through Faithfulness. Now, some of you may remember an old computer game called the Oregon Trail. It was used as a tool to teach school children about the realities of 19th century pioneer life. The game came out in the mid-70s, but I never got to play it because the school I attended only had two computers when I graduated in 1986, and apparently no one could use them. So from what I have read, about this game that I have never played, it assumes the role of a, the player assumes the role of a wagon leader pulling and guiding his party of settlers from Independence, Missouri along the Oregon Trail in 1848. Now as you can imagine, the object of the game is to anticipate your needs in advance and to make good choices so that you arrive successfully 
had a previously unseen destination. That will become your long-awaited new home because of your good choices and your dedication to the journey. Now, obviously, not everyone will make good choices and not everyone will make it home successfully. We're not in a game here. This is real life. And we are all on a journey today, a journey to a new home that we have heard about, but we have never seen. We have been told and we have been shown the way there, but that decision, but each day is filled with decisions and each turn in the road must be considered. And we have to make the right choices. We have difficult choices to make here in this real life world. And there are many voices that are speaking loudly to us, vying for our attention. And many are intentional in being as good as they can be. And many are intentional in their deceptiveness. Whether intentional or unintentional, these voices can easily lead us astray because they are not the voice of the one who guides us home. God has provided a simple standard for us to follow because he wants us to arrive safely and successfully at home. Let's listen to that one voice, that one guide who wants us to arrive at home with him. Let's read together from God's word, beginning with Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For it is for in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith as it is written the one who is righteous will live by faith. And down into verse 22 of chapter 3. The righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all is, is for all who believe, and there is no distinction. Since all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, they are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of boasting? It is excluded. By what law? By that of works? No, 
but by the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one, and he will justify the circumcised on the ground of faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The power to save us along this journey that we have toward home, the power to save us comes only through the accepting of the righteous and faithful gift of Jesus Christ, who died on a cross so that we may live forever. Now, we're being told to think and say and do a lot of things by a lot of people, and some of them are deceptive, and some of them are sincere and heartfelt. But it does not matter. There is but one voice for us to follow, and it will lead us all home. The power to save us comes only through the righteous and faithful gift of Jesus Christ and our rightful and righteous and faithful response to that invitation and life. In our journey of faith, that we hope will lead us to our heavenly home, we tend to discount this power of the gospel, and we therefore overcompensate with inadequate reliance on comparing our works with those of others, to listening to the voice of other people who know no more than we about how to get to this home that we desire to reach. After hearing this message, I want you to put aside all comparisons, both favorable and unfavorable, and embrace the righteous faith of Jesus Christ as your only hope for salvation. So what is the trouble that we see in this text? Here in the, the book of Romans is a, is a deep and, and somewhat theological book, and it can be uh, very confusing when we take just a few glimpses at it or just take a few uh, verses here and there. Uh, that's why I'm excited to have this, uh, this series now throughout this summer so that we can take a long, uh, continuous look at the book of Romans. And in this text, um, there, is a, there is a pattern that we begin to see. And it is, um, it is a valuable book for us to, to, to glean from and understand, especially in these times as we try to discern the way God would have to lead us home. So what is the trouble here in this passage? The trouble in the text is that Christians in Rome are divided in their understanding of how to merge the old practices of Jewish Christians who are there with the new practices of non-Jewish Christians who are worshiping there. Now this can be a real problem because you now remember the, the tenets of, of Judaism is that they follow the, the laws that are prescribed in the Torah and they follow those laws 
And there were, uh, it began with the Ten Commandments. But it grew and it grew and it grew to the point that there were hundreds and hundreds of laws that were followed. Some of them were written laws in the Hebrew Scriptures, and some of them were uh, the teachings of the rabbis. They were part of just the unwritten tradition, the un the, the non-canical uh, part of the tradition. And, and it was cumbersome for many people. There were people who devoted their entire lives, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, just to being able to read and understand, discern, and practice the law. And so into that world comes Jesus Christ. And Jesus says to this Jewish world that he came to, uh, to, to minister to, he said to them, all of these things in the law are good, but it is humanity that has corrupted it. And then he said, I am going to be the fulfillment, therefore, of the law. And so then there were Jewish people who received the message of Christ and became Jewish Christians or believing Jews. And then, in addition to that group, then we began to take the message of the gospel to the Gentile world and people who were non-Jewish, Greeks, um, and others that had a different philosophy, a different background in their lives. They came and accepted Christ, and automatically there was a conflict. Why is it that the new Christians are coming in and they are uncircumcised? Why is it that the new Christians are not following the, uh, the dietary uh, rules that Jewish Christians are following? And that created conflict in the church. And so there was trouble in this, in, this Roman, in this Roman Christian community, and Paul was on his way there to minister to them, and he wrote this letter because of his delay, so that when he got there, there would be a, a foundation and a framework for him to, to work from. So the trouble we see here then again is the Christian Jews and the, and the non-Christian Jews in Rome are not agreeing on how to come together in unity as Christians, as one body of believers. And that's a real problem. We can imagine that because we've experienced that in our world, and we are experiencing that now. In our rapidly changing world today, we uh, we must make some very difficult choices, therefore, about which practices we're going to keep, which practices we're going to discard. As the world changes, we have to adjust to that world's change. And some of the things that we have known, some of the things that we have believed, are of great value to us in this new world that we are encountering. And we desperately need to hold on to those things that are of value. But... As we go into a new world, as we go into new circumstances, we're going to find that some of the things that we have held on to are not helpful, are not of value, and when we really analyze it well, they are not core tenets of our faith. And we're going to have to make some difficult choices because of that. This world is changing very rapidly, and we're going to have to change with it so that we can stay true to the faith. Now, some people will argue that if we change it all, we aren't staying true to the faith. That is not true, though we would like for it to be, because it simplifies it for us. 
the reality is that as suffering, as circumstances change, we have to do due diligence to the faith. We have to read and study and discern and pray and we have to know what is at the very core of God's will for us and we need to be sure that we maintain that but we may have to be willing to give up some of the things that are actually a distraction from it. That's the trouble we see in our world today and that's where we all are and that's why we're so uncomfortable with our present circumstances. It's not comfortable to change in this way. So we need some grace. And God's grace is in the text. The text tells us that to help the Roman Christians unite in their understanding of how to be truly saved, God reveals himself as the standard of righteousness and faithfulness for the people to follow, for all people to follow. He simply tells us that it is by faith alone that we can be saved, and that faith comes not just from our faith, but it is, it is the example of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself is held up as the model of faithfulness. God being righteous sent Jesus being faithful to die on Calvary's cross for an atonement for our sin. And if we are to be righteous, as God desires us to be, then we have to be faithful and accept his gift of righteous faithfulness. So, there is hope for these Roman people. And Paul points to a new standard that everyone can look to, a new philosophy, a new way of, of ending the comparisons of and the, and the distinctions of one group of people to another group of people, Paul says, get your eyes off of one another and begin looking at Christ, looking at the example of righteousness and faithfulness in Christ and follow that. And if we all look to Christ and we all follow Jesus Christ, then we're all going to be united and we're all going to be marching in the same way to the same destination on the Romans road toward home. So we need grace in our world today. God's grace, God's grace for us today in this confusing and rapidly changing world is that the choices that lead us to our heavenly home are still simple. They are simplified by just, by just simply embracing the righteous faith of Jesus Christ as our only hope for salvation. Is your life complicated? Is your life complex? Do you have a hard time making sense of all the confusion, all the confusing language and images that you're seeing? Let me simplify it for you. The good life that everyone seems to be trying to get your attention for is not always the best life. The only good life for us is the life of faith in Jesus Christ. If you want to be righteous, then it is through Christ. If you want to be right, and who wants to be wrong, then go with Jesus. Any other path you choose is wrong. Any other path you choose will lead to destruction. Any other path you lead 
you, you follow will lead to confusion, destruction, discouragement, heartache, and damnation. It is only through Jesus Christ that we have salvation. So make your life simple. Drop off everything. You've got a wagon on the way to the Oregon Trail, and it's sinking deep in mud and mire. You're going to have to cast off some things. Cast off anything that does not fit Jesus Christ. If it is not a part of Christ Jesus in your life right now, over the side it goes. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. So let's bring it all together today before we have our communion. Salvation power is available first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. We don't need to be making distinctions one to another. We don't need to be boastful nor critical. We don't need to be looking for favorable agreement or disfavor from other people. It is for the Jew and the Gentile both. It is for you and me both because the righteousness of God, in righteousness God sent the faithful Jesus to die on a shameful cross as the atoning sacrifice for sinful humanity who by faithfully receiving this free gift of grace becomes righteous themselves. And through righteousness, they become faithful to obedience. So you see how it works. God is righteous, and he sent a faithful Jesus to die a sinless death in agony and in shame for a sinful people who did not deserve it to get their attention, to be an example so that we would see that faithfulness and that righteousness at work in his life and that we would therefore be drawn to him and to his love and that we, we would therefore receive it by faith and that faith would make us righteous and then in our righteousness we would go forth and live faithfully. So it all is a cycle, and it is simple, and it is easy, but we want to make it hard. It can't be any simpler than it is, and we are making our difficult and hard lives more difficult than they need to be. Salvation is available to us, but we're carrying too many heavy loads. Drop it off and pick up Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus alone. The power to save us comes only through accepting the righteous and faithful gift of Jesus Christ who died on Calvary's cross so that we may live forever in that heavenly home with him. In our journey of faith, we hope that we will eventually be led to our heavenly home. But in that journey, we tend to discount the power of the gospel that I have just laid out for you. And we tend to want to overcompensate with inadequate reliance on comparisons of our works with the works of others. I hope that you will put aside those comparisons now, both favorable and unfavorable. I hope that you will embrace the righteous faith of Jesus Christ as your only hope of salvation.
And you might say, oh, but preacher, I, I don't know. That's, in, that's embarrassing to admit that I've been wrong. It's embarrassing to throw off all this stuff that I've spent so much time accumulating, so many uh, points of, of my life that I've spent so much time defending. It's embarrassing to do that. I'm too ashamed to do that. Folks, there is no shame in anything except dying and going to a sinner's hell when you didn't have to. We don't have to die and go to hell. We can go to heaven. We can go to our heavenly home. All we have to do is receive Jesus Christ. Do not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. And I'm going to ask Don Bass to come now and share a song with us, uh, with you, and then I will close and we'll have our communion service together. Don, would you come?
Thank you, Dawn. Do you need some answers? Is your life a little too complex and too complicated right now? Are there too many voices vying for your attention and for your approval? Let's simplify it. Let's get it down to brass tacks here today. Let's not be ashamed of the gospel. Let's be willing to admit where we've been wrong. Let's be willing to admit that we sometimes have been carrying loads that aren't helpful to us. Let's admit that we're sometimes caught in mud and mire and we're bogged down and our wagons just can't move forward to that home that we have awaiting us today. We're going to have to throw some things off. We're going to have to discern what is good and what is right. And fortunately, we, fortunately, we have the guide of Christ Jesus, who by his example of faithfulness and righteousness has shown us the way. While we were yet sinners, God overlooked our sins and sent Jesus to die on Calvary's cross. And now the choice is ours. The ball is in our court. What are we going to do with this simple plan of salvation that is available to us? Are we going to heed and to accept, or are we going to continue to follow the many voices that really do not know how to get home any better than we do? If you're not ashamed of the gospel, if you're willing to make that commitment today, then I invite you to partake with us in the Lord's Supper. We, we observe open communion at Robert's Groves, which means all who believe in Christ Jesus are invited. All of those whom Jesus himself would have invited to the table are invited to this table. And you may not be a member of a church. You may not have made a public profession of faith. But right now, in this moment, you're trusting Jesus. That's all that is required. Trust him right now. If you'll take your communion cup and remove the top cellophane and just pause for a moment. The Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he shared it with his disciples. In like manner, he took the cup and shared it with his disciples and said, Drink ye all of it in remembrance of me. Let us pause and give thanks for the, sh for the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father God in heaven, we thank you that there is but one simple way and that we can follow and it, that it leads us home. We thank you for Jesus Christ, his broken body and his shed blood for the shame that he endured on our behalf out of righteousness and faithfulness. Father, it is no shame to us now. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, and we receive it gladly as we receive these elements of the Lord's Supper. In his name we pray. Amen. Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. And in like manner the cup, the shed blood of Christ Jesus, drink ye all of it in remembrance of him. For as long as you 
eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Hear these words of our closing blessing and benediction based on Romans 12, 2. May God bless you as you depart to continue your lifelong journey of seeking the way home to Him. May your path be one of righteousness through faith so that you will no longer be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will. God bless you. Go in peace.